Hey guys, before we start this week's episode, I wanted to thank everyone who's been leaving these amazing reviews on iTunes and everywhere you listen to podcasts. This week, I want to give a shout out to Dave Swanner. He says, five stars, keep up the great work. See you in Vegas for the Nomad Summit. By the way, guys, <laughs> it's Labor Day weekend. It's going to be September 1st through the 3rd. So starting August 31st through September 3rd. Check it out at nomadsummit.com. Uh, Dave says, after listening to a 100 plus Travel Like a Boss podcast, I'm finally getting around to leaving a review, invaluable insights into the thoughts, lives, and businesses of hundreds of entrepreneurs. Love listening to these inspiring stories. Thanks so much, Dave. And thank you to you uh, for leaving a review. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you haven't left a review yet, please go and do it right now. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 202 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I am here in Tiraspol, Transnistria with Roman Maximov. 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 <laughs> All right. So where, what is uh, Transnistria? Where are we? So Transnistria is an unrecognized country uh, between Ukraine and Moldova. And officially that was part of Moldova, Moldovan USSR, but never made it to a Republic Moldova. So um, in 1990s, we um, proclaimed independence from, uh, from, uh, from Moldova and we became a, a self, kind of the self-state. So some people compare uh, Transnistria to North Korea. Any similarities, any differences? Well, not really, because uh, you're still allowed to make business here, and you have nice restaurants in the center, and it's open for a tourist, and it's getting even more open. So if you cross the border, you you can get uh, up to 30 days, if I'm not mistaken, uh, so you can, you can stay here. And uh, it's not that close for foreigners. Uh, and, and people can go outside of Transnistria, so all of the people can just leave the country, no problem. Yeah, it's actually a little bit uh, strange where for a country that's not technically a country, a lot of people choose to stay. It's not like, I mean, I would imagine that let's say, you know, the US or somewhere all of a sudden uh, became non-recognized by uh, the rest of the world and was kind of in this weird situation. I would think a lot of people would just move, especially if you have freedom of movement. But it seems like a lot of people are proud of where they are. Uh, and a lot of people just stay for many other reasons. Well, there are several reasons why people stay. Uh, some people just enjoy living here because it's a very simple life. And uh, uh, if you have you have opportunity to move, you have opportunity to move to Moldova, for example. But it's uh, you have to rent apartment there. But they have free apartment here, so why bother to move there? And the economy situation is not any better there. It's the same level. It's kind of it's post Soviet. Um, so they decided to stay here. They decide to create family here um, and stay. If especially if they have a stable job here, why why bother moving? So you mentioned having a free apartment. What, what do you mean by that? How do they have free housing? Uh, you, many people have. Uh, it's not a big issue here. So there there are not much. You you saw it today. We walked in the street. There are not much homeless people because you. You have your own apartment from your or either uh, grandma uh, grandmother grandparents. Um, or it's not expensive uh, to buy here one, 
So some people go work in Moscow for several months or several years, and they uh, they go back and buy an apartment or build a house even. How much would a typical like a, let's say a one bedroom apartment be uh, here in? Um, um, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupting, but it's uh, I don't really know. The prices are changing, and uh, I can I can check. I can give you this information later, but I don't remember the numbers, the exact numbers for the apartments here. But it's going to be significantly less than. Other places, um, let's say like Saint Petersburg, or you know, or Ukraine, or way less. Okay. It's way less. Moscow has some uh, outrageous prices for apartment for living, and here's um, here's very cheap. So, like, if someone had thirty thousand dollars, they can buy a, a place. Uh, yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So, uh, also, you know, when you said that a lot of people have apartments or, or houses that were passed down by their grandparents. Were those apartments given to them during the old USSR times, as they did in other countries of the USSR? Well, for example, in my case, my grandmother, she had apartment in the center. She she had two rooms apartment in the center, but uh, now she passed away. And then, uh, so my mother, she sold this apartment. In, she sold this apartment in center, and she bought a one room apartment in in another area of Tiraspol, which is which is Tiraspol is very small. So you can have uh, like five minutes journey to the center from my apartment, but I live in a suburban area. And um, uh, in the age of Tiraspol. So, uh, yeah. So I have apartment and my mother uh, saved some money by, by doing that. Okay. So, yeah, I actually did notice that there was, you know, there's no homelessness. It didn't seem like there was much crime here. It, and it seems like from an outside point of view that this unrecognized state would be full of people on the streets, full of crime, full of, you know, criminal activities. And people warn you that it's really dangerous here. In fact, I've had multiple people warn me not to go to Transnistria because it's unsafe for Americans, it's unsafe for travelers, and it's kind of an ungoverned country. But it doesn't really seem like that. Well, propaganda works uh, both ways. So people, for people from here, from Transnistria, many people uh, warned me, for example, my, my grandmother, she warned me, um, not going to Poland or not speaking Russian there because they're very Russophobic there. And then, so, and people outside of Transnistria, for some foreigners, they warned to not going to Transnistria because of mafia and, uh, and some other crime, high rate of crime, but it's actually not true. Uh, people are people. And, uh, it's very safe here. It's almost zero crime. Uh, police works fine here. And uh, everything taken care of. Yeah, actually, when I first arrived, I was a bit worried. So as I was walking from the bus station to the hostel, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to get, you know, there's a big chance I'm going to get robbed. And there's these two kind of, you know, younger guys. They're probably like 19 or something. One looks like he probably does drugs. The other one, you know, looks kind of like a, like a kind of a gangster as well. But not like not like a gangster, but like just someone who's kind of, you know, up to no good. And one of them, when I passed him, he was like, you know, hey, what's up? And he like tried to shake my hand and I backed off and I was like, you know, hey, what's up? Thinking I got to stay away from this guy because if he, you know, if I shake his hand, he might, you know, have a knife in the other hand or rob me. And a day, just a day later, I'm walking around and I see kind of, you know, similar people uh, or just kind of the whole city and the whole village, all the villages surrounding, uh, some of the villages surrounding. And I realized these guys probably were not going to rob me at all. They're probably just so used to 
it being such a small town that they're just used to saying hello to people. And then they see a foreigner, they're, they're interested. So they were probably like genuinely like, hey, what's up? What are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. There's, there's, there was the only reason why they, they come up to you because you look different. Uh, yeah, so uh, they decided to just say hi to you and, and see what's going what's gonna to happen. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's really interesting. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure crime, I mean, like reputations come kind of come from somewhere. Sometimes there's, you know, people are falsely scared, right? There's propaganda. For example, in, you know, Lviv, there's a, a bar that the password to get inside is Slava Ukraine, yeah. which means glory to Ukraine. And you were telling me that was it your grandmother that was like w- like warning you against it or like about going to Lviv and speaking Russian or who was it? Yeah, I'm, I generalize, but it's many it's many people, especially old people, who are uh, really the the only thing they do it's they just watching TV constantly, especially the ch- channel number one in uh, Russian channel number one. And uh, yeah, so they said that almost every restaurant you have to say this. Slava Ukraini, which is not true, which is far away from true. And this actually the only restaurant that they have in uh, Ukraine that you're supposed to say that is just a tourist, touristic uh, trap, touristic attraction. <laughs> and it's literally a tourist trap. It's a, yeah. almost like saying every restaurant in the U.S., girls wear orange pants and these like Hooter <laughs> yeah. tops. And it's like, no, it is a tourist trap called Hooters. Mm-hmm. And it it's, doesn't mean the entire country like forces every single person to say glory to, to Ukraine. Ukraine when you if you want to eat. Yeah, it's uh, for that reason that's why we um, outside of Transnistria we used to be called uh, we we are called like North Korea because so many people are um misunderstand the outside world of Transnistria and they never travel and they they're afraid of go outside of Transnistria because they just feed in the propaganda that they they watch constantly 24 hours on the TV so for these people i just wish to travel more and to just see and see more people outside and uh, and it's actually good that Transnistria is getting more open for foreigners because now the people can interact with tourists not even going out bothering going outside and um just travel inside of yeah, I've actually noticed that. And, I, and it seems like people are really genuinely interested in meeting tourists because it's just, it's really not common. And there's a lot of places in the world that are not well traveled. Like, for example, you know, there's um, smaller towns or villages in Thailand that they don't see very many tourists. But here, I think it's way less. I think they see, like, even the capital city, the big city, I think the number of tourists compared to really any other capital. Uh, really probably in the world it's like way less people come through here hmm. and one of the reasons why like, i know that i could feel it is i stayed at the only hostel in the center of the city so you know you would think it'd be the most popular place i was literally the only person there these last two days and i've never once in my life been to the kind of you know the most popular hostel and not seen even a single other person. And this is the summertime, so you can imagine in wintertime, I have no job. I have I have one tourist come in a month. And so, yeah, this is exactly. But but people in generally, I think you get the expression that people here are hostile. Because, for example, the we went to the market and uh, what did they do? They give you, they gift you uh, the food, some food from the market, which is, cost, here it's very cheap. It's, it costs nothing. But they, they, they give it away. So Yeah, so uh, this was actually one of the nicest travel experiences I've had 
in these past 10 years of going around the world. I've met very friendly people before, but this is the first time ever I was at a basically a farmer's market where they're selling fruits and vegetables. And I pointed at, you know, I think the peaches and I said, Oh, like, look, they're, they're selling peaches. And I took a photo. And instead of, you know, sometimes people get angry, you know, at you taking photos. This, you know, this older lady, this grandma, we call her uh, Babushka uh, in Russian. And she's like, Oh, take a photo of me. (laughs) So she wanted (laughs) to pose with her peaches. And then I don't even know how it happened, but we were like, Oh, let's take a photo together. And then she hands me a peach, a whole peach, like, and says, You know, please, you know, have it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't want any money for it. It wasn't like some way to get me to buy more. It was really, she's like, oh, please, you know, eat some of the peaches that she probably grew in her backyard. And if that wasn't it, then she starts, you know, scooping up a bag full of uh, currants, black currants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've never, I mean, like the peach, I'm like, okay, this is kind of a big piece of fruit to give someone. It's not like giving someone like, you know, a small um, like cherry or something or berry, like, oh, taste it. But it's like a whole peach. And then she gave us like a bag full of black currants. And was like, you know, please take it. Yeah, to like, your health is a good vitamin. So yeah, take it, take it. <laughs> yeah, and that was actually really surprising too that the reason why she wanted to give it to us is because it had a lot of vitamins in it. Mm-hmm. It was, it really felt like she was my Russian grandma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and believe me, Russian grandma, you, you, you can't be starving. You can, you can go to, um, for example, my grandma. We, we mentioned her before. Uh, yeah, she's paranoid. She's watching a lot of television, but I always go from her apartment full. And it's actually, it's a, it's a lot of vitamins and meat always. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, you know, this woman, this grandma probably doesn't make a lot of money. She probably lives a pretty simple life, you know, and I'd be, you know, willing to bet it's her, her, she probably lives off of what, a few hundred dollars a month at the most. Uh, yeah, I think most of the people um, here, Average, they make two hundred dollars a month, and uh, but they don't, they 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 live simple life, and you saw the prices. It's very cheap, so you can still you can still survive, and you can even save uh, money for some some products. You can have a good phone, and a computer back home with internet. Uh, so that's enough, and you don't have to pay rent. You don't have to pay any uh, bank loan. Yeah, so yeah, I'm trying to remember how much the prices were. I, I remember the fruit was really cheap. I bought a couple hundred grams of walnuts. Do you remember how much it was for per kilo? Or I remember, yeah, the so eight rubles per hundred grams. So that's exactly fifty cents. Yeah. So for one kilo would be five U.S. dollars, which means one pound would be two dollars and fifty cents. I think that is outrageously cheap compared to. I think if you go to like nuts.com or something, it's like $16 per for, per pound uh, for walnuts. And here they were fresh. They were probably the best walnuts I've ever had. Yeah, and this is this is not the the right time. So it's, it's even before. It's, it's going to get cheaper. The price is going to get cheaper in, in two months. It's going to be like uh, three rubles per 100, kilo, uh, 100 uh, grams. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, fruits and vegetables, super cheap here. Uh, I, I would imagine that, Apartments are even cheaper than than we imagine, like what we what we, we quoted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cost of living here is probably like nothing. Like, how much does it cost to take like a bus somewhere? Uh, it's three fifty. And in dollars, what is that? Oh, it's, <laughs> divided it's by sixteen. Tw- Twenty cents. Yeah, let's say. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the only thing that actually isn't that cheap 
actually, because it's cheap, but it's not. Uh, it's not. I know it's over. It's like overpriced for what it is. Are the restaurants, and that's probably because people don't really go to restaurants here that often. Yeah, it's not. It's not a, a culture of going out. So if you go out, it's a special occasion here. Or um, yeah, so pe- some people uh, go go out just only once a year uh, for some special occasion again. And yeah, and it, honestly, it really shows because this is the capital. So this is the biggest city in the whole country, and there's really like I, I honestly think, I'm like not, without exaggeration, I think there were five restaurants for an entire city, an entire capital, which to me is insane like i've never seen that anywhere in the world and you saw we, we were surrounded the people that the, you you see the way they dress so we um that was some special day for them that they went out uh, outside to restaurant yeah so a lot of them i think they're like celebrating like a birthday or you know something like they were dressed nice you know like everyone sitting inside were like families you know it's and but it's really strange where this actually is the thing that's probably most fascinating to me is the – I've only eaten at two restaurants here so far and I didn't realize they were both owned by the same yes. owner, the same yeah. chain. Yeah. So the first was what? Uh, first one was La Placinta, which is Moldovian uh, traditional food restaurant and the, the next one was Andy's Pizza. <laughs> A very American-sounding name, uh, Andy's Pizza, the best pizza in town. <laughs> Yeah, so Andy's Pizza. I, when I first heard, it, I thought I thought it was a joke. I thought it'd be this tiny little shack, you know, um, maybe at most like like a Pizza Hut. But when we walked by, they actually went inside. I thought, wow, this is really nice. Yeah, you can have a full meal there. You can have you you had some soup, yeah, you had yeah. soup. But then, like not even just the food; it was just like the the decor inside was really nice. And they even had like a whole kids play area, mm-hmm. uh, like a full bar. It was just like a really nice looking restaurant. Like like pretty upscale as well. And when I looked at the menu, I was looking at the photos thinking, these photos are so nicely taken. This menu is like so well put together. And I was like, this either is the same owner or the same, you know, where they use the same printing company, the menu making company as the place I had last night. And he Tur- said... Turns out it's the same owner. It is. Yeah. Do, do you know if they own any other businesses? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, for example, Seven Fridays restaurant is very uh, popular here. I always recommend people, and I used to work there. Um, that's how I get involved in this business because I was wa- always wondering why why people are coming because it's the, the place was really it is it is popular between um, foreigners. So uh, Seven Fridays is uh, belong to another guy, which is actually connected to the government, which is actually connected to the sh- to sheriff. So it always comes up to sheriff. So, so if you want to make any business here, any new business, you have to split. You have to give a percentage to sheriff, or, 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 yeah, yeah. So, sheriff is it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. He's pretty much the sheriff. That's his nickname, and this guy owns pretty much all of Transnistria, or is it just the capital, uh, uh, Tiraspol, or it, it does does his reach go, you know? Beyond the capital and throughout the country. Yeah, it goes uh, way beyond the capital. So all Transnistria is uh, talking about economy, and now now it's even recently it's even in politics because the president is pro sheriff, so it's their their guy. Uh, so belong to sheriff, and uh, they own supermarkets, uh, they own gas stations. 
Uh, first, you can see if you're coming from Kishinev to Tiraspol, from, from uh, Moldovan capital to Transnistrian capital, you see the Sheriff Stadium. It's a huge stadium. It's, it's about th- uh, three stadiums in one complex. And then swimming pool, all in the same complex. Tennis court, uh, gym. Uh, and we saw today sauna, uh, sauna adver- advertisement as well. Um, so then, uh, networking. We have different networking than Moldovan use, uh, belong to Sheriff. And networking as in, like, uh, internet infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Internet and, and then cell phone as well. So, and then even the Quint factory, Quint factory, which is, uh, the best alcohol, uh, is number one expert from Transnistria, belong to Sheriff as well. And I think we walked by an apartment complex that was owned by Sheriff. Oh yeah, we, we we did. Yeah, this is a ni- nice apartments, uh, still under renovation, uh, still under const- construction. Uh, first floor are supposed to be businesses, but all of the businesses will be belong to sheriff, and and uh, the rest of the building is going to be apartments for sale. And you're saying that they're going to build roads as well, or ha- have they done that before? Uh, they're doing it. They're working on that already. Yeah. So like this isn't. This isn't the government doing it. It's literally some guy. This he's basically like an oligarch, uh, super rich guy who owns all these businesses, who's building not only you know like restaurants and I'm assuming bars and you know uh, gyms, gas stations, supermarkets, apartment buildings, but he's also building infrastructure. He's building uh, wireless communication. He's building roads. And it's all under the sheriff brand. Well, uh, actually, he's just started to invest in the um, infrastructure because it's been 25 years sheriff exists. And uh, yeah, he just started to invest his money in the infrastructure uh, for some reason. Um, yeah, and every year, the, the sh- celebration of sheriff, so the birthday, uh, the, the birthday of sheriff is well celebrated in the center. And they usually uh, invite uh, some Russian pop culture um, the singers and uh, they 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 spend lots of money on that as well. Have you ever watched uh, the Netflix documentary uh, about uh, about the the drug dealer from Colombia? The, the show's called Narcos. No, I haven't. No, uh, Pablo Escobar. He has a very similar story where, regardless of how he made his money, he built a lot of infrastructure, a lot of like schools and playgrounds and you know soccer fields for the residents especially in the poor areas of colombia and people loved him they they celebrated his birthday you know he had a lot of ties uh, with you know some of the politicians and really he had the a support of a lot of people in the country especially poor people who you know couldn't really afford uh, you know a lot of these things without without him uh, this almost kind of reminds me of the sheriff guy. Well, the only difference between this story and the uh, Transnistrian sheriff guy is uh, sheriff guy is actually hidden. If you Google sheriff guy, if you Google uh, his name, Victor Gushan, uh, you you just can see the only one picture of him sitting in an office. And he's not a public figure at all. He has um, directors of uh, every business that he has, he owns. Uh, they are public public figures. But Sheriff is very hidden. He's probably now uh, having an apartment somewhere in Spain. It's just my assuming. But uh, but you don't see him walking or riding his car outside in Transnistria. Never. Wow. So he's everywhere in Transnistria, yet nowhere. Yet, yes. Yeah. 
That is so crazy. And it's I, like, I don't know if we're describing this good enough because I actually remember when I first arrived to Transnistia, somebody had told me, they're like, oh, look, there's a sheriff gas station. You're going to be seeing a lot of his name. And I thought, you know, yeah, I see a lot of Shell gas stations or Chevron or a lot of, you know, companies own a lot of different things like Anheuser-Busch, like the beer company owns a lot of other things. They own like liquor companies. And, you know, it's not, you know, it's not that big of a thing that happens all the time in the U.S. But here it is on another level. It is like, imagine, okay, imagine if Anheuser-Busch, you know, who owns um, Budweiser, also owns, you know, all the vodka brands, all the, you know, whiskey brands, all the uh, like liquor brands, then owns all the supermarkets that distribute all of them. So whatever supermarket you go to, whether it's Albertsons or Ralph's or Trader Joe's or Whole Foods, they own them, you know, and he, he like, and then imagine the gym you go to is owned by them. The apartment you live in is owned by them. The road you drive on is, is owned by them. It's like, imagine if Amazon just took over every single possible business that you've ever touched ever sat in, you know, every restaurant you've ever eaten at, every, you know, everything. It is like a, I don't think this could happen or has happened in any other country. It is on another level, but it's it's only half a million people living here in the entire Transnistria. So it's uh, very interesting, but uh, it was just the men in the right place in the right time. So in the 90s, when USSR collapsed, nobody, uh, nobody, uh, nobody even thought of making his own business and the only people who uh, start own business they were criminals those people with guns literally and the sheriff he was policeman he used to he used to protect them he used to give them protection for for making their dirty money and dirty business uh, and then eventually he decided to stop them all so he cleaned transnistria out of the criminals and now it's really zero criminality here but he built his own monopoly. So so now it reminds me, uh, what's it called? The game Sim. Yeah, Sims, Sims games. You just, he builds, he even invested money to build a central church here, central church here in center. Uh, nice one. And then uh, now he's in, investing money in infrastructure. Uh, but he keeps it, um, I wouldn't say he really invests money in young people. So he keeps it kind of low level. He doesn't want... Um, he really doesn't want any young people staying here because it's really easy to control, uh, as we call them, babushkas, right? Uh, grandparents, their life. Yeah. Like the older generation. And then the fact that you just brought up that he owns the church is also insane. Yeah. Uh, even more insane, there's a huge building, probably the biggest government building equivalent to, let's say, like parliament or like the White House. And then just to the left of it, is a new building, the exact same size that's coming up. And I was looking at it thinking, what is this? And it's a sheriff development. Yeah, it's a, it's a new building. It's a very interesting shape. It's kind of uh, almost round, but uh, kind of new and nice. But uh, nobody knows the purpose of this building. So he just invested money in another building to to make the center looks nice. Uh, but nobody knows the purpose, and we don't. If if it's going to be offices, we don't need much offices here because it's not much business. Uh, if it's going to be their uh, office, the sheriff main office, they don't need much offices as well because they already have a big building for their offices. Um, and right next to it, if you walk um, right next uh, 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 across the road, you can see the uh, Russian Russian hotel 
which has belonged to it's called Hotel Russia, which has belonged to Sheriff as well, and is the most fanciest hotel in the city. And there's a karaoke place inside of that, I think, too. Yes, yes, yeah. And they have, uh, what's it called, but gambling, casino place inside of the... So casino, no, nobody goes to casino ever here, but they own it. So uh, most of the the, the, the best, per, uh, uh, my assumption is just money laundering. So it is insane. I thought we, we were done talking about all the different businesses Sheriff owns, but you just brought up luxury hotel and a casino. Yeah. Like, just the fact that anyone would even own, you know, like, Donald Trump owns hotels. And it's already like, oh, wow, he, like, that's a big thing. Or, like, Steve Wynn owns casinos. And that's a big thing. Yeah. For someone to own both and then own all these other things we talked about. And is keep in mind, it's a small country where everybody makes $200 a month. It's not, not, not everybody, but most of the people, the majority of people make this. Yeah, and... This building that we're talking about, what's the, what's that government building right next to it? Uh, House of the Soviets, the Dom Sovietov. This is a huge building. Like, I want you guys to imagine probably the biggest building you've ever seen in your life. Or if you've been to, like, the White, literally the White House. It is that big. And the fact that nobody has been told, nobody even has a clue what this building is for. And it looks like it's, like, 98% done. How, I mean, how long have they been building this? Uh, about three years, which is which is fast for Eastern Europe. Usually, usually new projects they build forever here. They really they they uh, asking for more and more money. If it's uh, if government gives money for for a building, it, they ask for more and more money and the money launder, and they they keep this money and they're in their pockets. So that's why the building takes forever. But this one, fast. It's, that was built very fast, and it's beautiful. Uh, if you guys haven't seen my video tour of Transnistia, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. Maybe um, a day in Transnistia or a day in a, I don't know, maybe a, un, a day in not a country. <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. Something. We, we can think of the name. Dave. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you haven't watched that video yet, pause this, find it on my blog, johnnyft.com, or find it on my YouTube channel to search Johnny FD Transnistia. I can't, actually, probably just search Johnny Transnistia. <laughs> it'll, it'll come up. Um, but it's so beautiful. It is giant. It is gorgeous. And there is no freaking way that a building this size of this magnitude would be built and nobody – like imagine in your hometown, your city, or your, your country – and basically in the Capitol next to the White House. Imagine right next to the White House, like like directly right next to us. You can see both, you know, in one view if you're across the street. Imagine right next to the White House, somebody builds a building exactly as grand, just as big, just in a different color. It's more of like a what, what color would you describe that? Like a oh, uh, there was a kind of gray, but but uh, like a little so bit of wine soft, color, soft soft red color. Yeah, yeah. It's like a burgundy wine. It's mm -hmm. really nice. Imagine someone built a burgundy wine-colored White House, just as grand, just as big, and has been building it for the last three years, and not a single person in the entire country knows no, so, the yeah. purpose of this building. Yeah. And it's owned by the monopoly that owns everything. And, and of course, if, if people know that it's built by monopoly, people don't even want to know why why they're building because they're like, oh, it's their business. It's not our business. You know what, what I call Transnistria? It's uh, when people ask me, is it still communist? I say, no, it's capitalism without competition. And this is so true. And I, and I think this is really shown in the restaurant selection. You know, the only, literally the only restaurants in the country 
you know, in the capital city are owned by basically the same two people. And I thought at first I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go to these tourist traps, you know, that like these chain restaurants that are, you know, let me find a local place. So I asked her around and said, you know, where can I get some local uh, mama, mamalinga, which is like a, a planta dish, a very traditional village cornmeal corn planta dish. And, you know, people were telling me like, oh, yeah, you go to La, La Planta, uh, La, 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 La Placinta. La Placinta place. And, you know, and when I went there, I realized this is a chain. This is like owned by, you know, some other companies. And then we went to Andy's Pizza. And I was honestly, I was a bit disappointed thinking, why would, did I go to these restaurants? Until I realized there are no other choices. Yeah. There are no mom and pop restaurants in this entire city. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly true. And it's another reason because not many, it's not a restaurant culture, like, as we mentioned before, and people just not ready to spend their money go every day and uh, go to restaurants and just waiting for foreigners and foreigners. You don't see much foreigners here as well. So uh, it's not a good investment. Usually people do it on the side. So they have their major business and they do it on the side. Oh, let's, let's have a restaurant. Let's have a small restaurant. So they, they open up the restaurant here. So there, are there these like like is there a place I can go you know where it's just like some family owned place? Uh, it's usually it's usually much better selection outside of Tiraspol. Uh, so if you go in the villages, you can still have this, um, but they're more Soviet looking uh, places to eat. Yeah, to family owned. So today, actually, so I don't, I don't think we mentioned this, um, but uh, Roman was my tour guide. So actually, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I've been working as a tour guide last three years. Uh, before that, uh, I finished my studies and I went to Seven Fridays. It's one of the major restaurants here, as we mentioned before. And I, um, uh, I worked there for two years and I was, by, by the same time, I was uh, trying to learn English. And, uh, uh, I was surprised how many foreigners in the summertime in such a small uh, country, in such a small city are coming to, uh, to the seven Fridays, and they, uh, I was trying to learn, try, trying to practice my English, and I realized that people are interested in this area, and I understood why people are interested in this area. Uh, so that's how I get involved in the and in making my own tour, and and I switched from from the waiter to a tour guide here, and it's actually gave me m- uh, much opportunity to meet meet many people. So I'm I'm I traveled without traveling. That's what I call it. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I love it. And actually, this is the one country I've ever been to, the one place where people really want to travel without traveling. They want to meet people from other countries. And th- this really showed when I logged into Couchsurfing. And I honestly didn't really have any intention of, of ever staying on someone's couch because I figured, you know, I can afford at least a hostel, you know, if not like an Airbnb or a hotel. But I chose the hostel because I wanted to meet people. And when I realized there'd be no one here to meet, I looked yeah. on Couchsurfing and I saw there were so many people wanting to host. And I and I really think, like you could tell, like they want to host people just because they want to meet people from other countries. Exactly. And it's like I've never seen this anywhere else. Like it's the the amount of people per capita. I mean, like there's this is a small country, but the amount of the percentage of people who actually are on Couchsurfing wanting to host someone is mind blowing compared to. 
anywhere else. We've had we've had tourists staying uh, here for uh, for longer than one day, one night. We have we've had tourists staying here for for a week, for example, and they're becoming they eventually they're becoming famous here. So they. Uh, for the last day of their week staying, they 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 walk in the Central Street and they shaking hands to everybody because uh, because it's easy to get famous here. If you just you just have to go out, you just have to inter- interact with young people and uh, and one one will tell to another that oh it's a foreigner here because it's unusual. And this is the capital. This is the biggest yeah, city. Yeah, this is the biggest city by far. Yeah. You still, yeah, it can sounds like sound like uh, we're describing a village now, but but you can still have a nice uh, restaurant and with and with good drink in the center and the two race. But then you you have these people around you that not used to uh, see foreigners around. Well, it's funny because uh, before we met, you you said that you had saw me the day before walking down the street. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw you. I was uh, sitting there with my. A friend in the bar and the kind of the student place, and I saw you walk in there, and I can I can I can see you from far away. You, you know, you not you not look like uh, local people. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I saw I saw you walking. The the fact that you noticed some random guy who you haven't you hadn't you know met yet. You know, at the time I didn't even book the tour yet. I just I just saw your profile picture on the Facebook. Yeah, I remember you wrote me hi. That's that's yeah, but you didn't book the tour. And. The fact that like you just randomly were like, oh, that's a face I've never seen in this city, and then you remembered that speaks a lot. Like that would never happen in you know Toronto no. or definitely not New York or L.A. or even like a smaller city. You would not notice that someone didn't you know wasn't from there. That would only happen in a very small town or village. Yet this is a big place. Yeah. Uh, uh, relatively, Kishinev, comparingly, Kishinev is not it's not that big as well, and it's uh, it's not much thing to do there. It's it's people call it the the most boring city in in entire Europe. Uh, but uh, but when you return back home to Tiraspol from Kishinev, you feel it. You feel like you you don't have much people. You you know you have way way less people than in Kishinev. I've been to Kishinev, which is the capital of Moldova. And you're right. It is so boring. There was yeah. nothing yeah. to do in this entire city. It reminds me, the only other place I've ever been that reminded me of the, the same was Vientiane in Laos, where it's a big city. It's the, the capital of, of Laotia or Laos. Mm. And it was exactly the same. Like, yeah, there's some restaurants. There's some bars, I guess. But there's no there's no people and there's nothing to do. Like, the top 10 things to do are... Like, or I don't, I don't like. There's nothing. I don't think. I think it's the only TripAdvisor that only has like four things on the top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you just can go to winery, get some wine, and get drunk. That's this what Moldova. What what's the local people do? Yeah. Luckily, the wineries in Moldova are amazing. Really beautiful, top quality wine, cheap, and just really beautiful. And then here we have. Quint. Can we talk about that? Uh, Quint, Quint, yeah. Uh, Quint is a factory, which is now owned by Sheriff. Um, yeah, you, we couldn't even skip the, to mention this, but uh, Quintus, uh, it's cognac. They produce cognac and vodka, uh, and they have uh, how much was that bottle that you bought? Fifty rubles, right? So it's that was two 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 dollars two dollars per bottle. Oh, you're preparing the glasses now. Yeah, so I figured while in uh, Transnistria we have to have this Clint cognac which is technically a brandy because 
Uh, I think you can only legally call it cognac if it's if it's made in that region of France. No, nobody cares in Transnistria. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they just they, call it, they call it cognac here. Actually, it says, yeah, cognac, it says cognac on <laughs> the bottle. Yeah. And so the reason why I've heard of this, and I actually just opened it so I can smell it already. It smells so good. Mm-hmm. But uh, three weeks ago, I met a guy. I think I was in Bulgaria or something, and he had he had said, "Oh, you're going to Ukraine." You need to stop by Transnistria. And I said, what is that? And he told me the story about this. Co- it's a country that doesn't exist, that it's between Moldova and Ukraine. And it is the, you know, basically as close as you can get to USSR today, 2018. And he said they went to a bar and they, uh, was said, they were told that if you want to sit down, you need to get bottle service or table service. And they thought, no, like I'm not going to spend a hundred dollars on bottle service. This is just a, you know, Tuesday night or something. Yeah. And but they decided to look at the menu and they realized, hey, I can get a bottle of vodka for like six dollars or nothing. Yeah. At a bar, so they ordered a bottle of vodka. Another guy was like, oh, you know, I actually want the the whiskey. So so another guy ordered a bottle of whiskey, and then uh, someone else was like, oh, I heard they're really famous for their brandy here. Let's get a bottle of cognac. So for a total of like $21, they got three bottles of alcohol yeah. and they were having like the time of their life. They were surrounded by beautiful girls and they're drinking all this, you know, stuff. And, you know, everyone's staring at them, of course, because, you know, the three foreign guys, you know, with three bottles of liquor. <laughs> and then um, they said that the most remarkable part of it was the brandy, the cognac was so good that one of the guys, he was from the U.K., Decided he he wanted to bring back as much as he can carry, so he actually threw away all of his clothes out of his luggage. Ha- have it happened before? Yeah, it's uh, absolutely true. Because I remember, I remember French. The last time I had uh, six French tourists, and they would uh, really, literally, threw their clothes clothes from the uh, their luggage, and uh, they bought as many cognac bottle as they can, um, so they fit them all. Well, we're going to give it a, a shot. We're actually drinking in plastic cups, so this is going to be simulated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is my, my first uh, my first sip. Yeah. Let's smell it first. And you put me like 100, I guess, here. Is this a, is that a double shot? It's Probably a double is. shot I have. Yeah. Well, let's see how it is. Because I'm local. I can handle it. Uh, so, a funny story is the first time I ever had alcohol was... When I was like pretty late in life, I started drinking really late. I think I was like 18. I went to a nightclub and this guy I knew who was like 10 years older than me, he ordered a bottle of, I think it was either Hennessy or Remy Martin XO, which is pretty expensive. I think it was, you know, $150 a bottle or something, a couple hundred dollars a bottle. And at that point, it was a cognac. I assumed for the first two years of my clubbing life and I would go clubbing every weekend, I thought everybody drank cognac at clubs, and it turns out it was only these like Asian gangsters who would do that. <laughs> and drinking this right now with you, this this is I haven't had cognac since then, and it just reminds me of that. Experience. Remind me the story, him. Yeah. Hello, welcome. So please, please come join our podcast. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I just feel not good. Sorry. You already had. <laughs> so we just had some people walking on us. And they see us sitting here with a bottle of Clint open drinking while talking to this mic. <laughs> so you've had this a lot of times. Have you had any 
like any of the other brands like like uh Remy Martin or Hennessy or other yeah, brands but, of brandy. But yeah, why why spend more when you can get when you can get that cheap one and it's a very good quality. So with without exaggeration, this is probably the best cognac I've ever had in my life. Oh really? I you know, I have honestly I haven't had cognac in many years, but I've had all the top, like the top ones, I've you know, like the VSOPs, even the XOs. Uh, and then I actually drank a lot of cheap brandy in, in university. It was E&J, which was whatever the cheapest one was. I think it was a bottle of it was like $13. And we'd only drink it because it was so cheap. And it was pretty terrible. Mm. So this stuff, without exaggeration, is delicious. Like I we're like, drinking it straight. Yeah, I like how it goes... Um... It goes. It's it's really soft in your mouth, but it's it still has uh, all all kinds of nice smell and uh, and the strongness you know, of this. It's really smooth. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair, this isn't the cheapest one. This is the five this year. Is five years, but it's uh, come on, it's fifty rubles. <laughs> <laughs> this is the VSOP. You can you can get cheaper here. Yeah, if you're. If you if you travel in a budget, you can get cheaper. <laughs> so you, you 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 can still find a way to get drunk here. So okay, but this is also the, the small bottle. This is um, how big is this? Uh, zero point three. I don't know what that means. That, that's basically a point three liters, uh, which is which is three hundred uh three hundred grams, three hundred milligrams, right? Okay, and then so I think this is like a th- this isn't like a small flask, but it's uh, a pretty small bottle. It's like Probably half the size, or so you thir- can have six shots with this. This is easy. Is to- that what it is? Yeah, okay, six shots. So yeah, it's it's not a big bottle, but it was. You said how how much was it? I don't remember. Uh, uh three hundred. Uh, how much? How much? Uh, fifty rubles, or even less than fifty rubles. Was it f- I think I think it was thirty-five rubles. I think it was that. thirty-five rubles, mm-hmm. which is it was like two or three dollars. It, it was very cheap. Very cheap. Yeah, one one point five dollars. So say. for a full size bottle of this, like the seven hundred fifty ml, how much would this be? Uh, you you pay in between of um, fifty and then seventy rubles. Yeah. So like basically, what four four dollars? Four dollars. Yeah, but believe me, the the quality is still the same. So you 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 don't have to pay more. Uh, the quality is the same. Okay, and yeah. then if we wanted the cheapest one, how much is it for the big bottle? Oh, the cheapest one is fifty cents bottle, really. Like the cheapest small bottle, uh-huh. it's it's one dollar bottle. It's one dollar. It's crazy. Yeah. Twenty rubles, one dollar. And it's actually in a glass bottle. It's really tasty. Mm-hmm. I'm really tempted to bring some with me, but I can't because I'm flying Whiz Air carry on only. Oh, so sucks. I'm, I know, <laughs> but it's probably a good thing because then I'm not carrying this with me. Yeah. But the the Kvint, Kvint, yeah, Kvint, Kvint, yes, Kvint is real. It's worth it to come here, really, just to taste this. Um, don't come here for restaurants, but do come here just to see it for yourself. I would say if if you came for just a day, which a lot of people do, and do like a day trip, and you just looked around the center, you'd be very disappointed. You'd be like, oh, it's it's not very interesting. Um, but I'm really happy we went on that tour, and I'm really happy the tour is as long as it was because I really got to see a lot of Transnistria. Uh, I really liked to go into the village. We actually took a marshuka, like this little minivan, yeah. into a, a village. The village called Kitskane, which is uh, only 10 minutes outside of Tiraspol. But you can see already it's it's a big change. You can see the real village life. 
and uh, the city center, the, the village center, it's a uh, abandoned restaurant and the, the the shop that looks exactly like it used to look in the Soviet days. Yeah, and then we saw there's a huge monastery there that was actually really beautiful. Yeah, the complex of monastery. Yes, like three uh, three churches inside of it and a bell. And you can climb on it. Yeah, so climbing the bell tower with with some beautiful views. Uh, they had a little winery inside the monastery, which was unfortunately closed. Uh, yeah, just the only priest can have uh, the only priest, the only one priest can have access to it. So it, he's always on his hangover. <laughs> and I wish we came on a Saturday because they actually have a free village lunch, right? Yeah, yeah, they they serve food for people, and you can just you can go there and help yourself, and they pour you wine. Uh, the priests take care of you. That's amazing. I think that's such a nice community event. And I would love to just be there, you know, having food and wine with, you know, basically like locals who may not have ever met a foreigner. Yeah, that's true. And it's actually, you've been here just, you were in a one day tour. But if you, uh, if you want to see more, if you want to see like the north of Transnistria, we take care of you. So we, we take a car and we, we go. We go in the villages. We stop in every village on the, on the, on the way. You know, honestly, I I honestly thought I wouldn't like Transnistria. Uh, I I was almost regretting com- coming. I only came because I felt like I was going to miss out on this, you know, cool story about this country that doesn't exist. And I think when I first arrived, I thought, this is kind of like overly hyped up that, you know, people play, play that part up as their kind of trump card. Just saying like, even the hostel I'm staying at is just all decorated with uh, USSR stuff. Hmm. And... After today, I realized, yes, people play it up a bit, you know, to get tourists to come, but this really is their life. Like, we literally saw a girl wearing a USSR t-shirt. Oh, yeah. And how old she was? Uh, she, was she uh, 12 or something? Yeah. yeah, and we like I was so curious that, like, I made you ask her where she got that shirt or why she was wearing it. And, and she was father gifted the shirt to her. And, yeah, so how many Lenin's... We saw today. We've seen about three Lenins, yeah, and one of them were was was really big. It's the big bust of Lenin, and the village, which is uh, village five thousand people population, so small population, but but you still have this house of the culture and a huge Lenin in in front of the village. They never bothered to take it down, so we still we preserved the uh, old Soviet street names and. Everything is old Soviet and gets more old Soviet if you go outside of Tiraspol. Wow. I, I didn't know I can get more Soviet than staying on the corner of Lenin Street and Karl Marx Avenue. <laughs> yes, yes. You can get much more Soviet when you go to the village, to, to a village where people just live their life. And, uh, and some of them, and I would say most of the people nowadays, they want, they're pro-Russian and they want to uh, get the Soviet times back. And they want some strong leader. Uh, they really uh, romanticize the Stalin's time, um, so they they really they do respect Stalin here. Uh, not not all of the people, but the majority of people that I've uh, talked to, been able to talk to, and they say, "Oh, Stalin was the strong leader, so we want when somebody like Stalin be back uh, to Soviet Russia." So this isn't like a, a you know like there's a lot of places that they kind of hype stuff up for like tourism purposes. This isn't that. This really is the way people think and live their life. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's weirdly authentic. Like, it really felt... Honestly, it really feels like this entire country 
put on a, a village costume, mm-hmm. you know, and and put up these USSR flags and Russian flags as well. And Russian flags. You, you saw on the government buildings now. We we even have it under the law that you have to put Transnistrian and Russian flag together. Yeah, and it like I've been to a lot of villages in Thailand. These village tours that were bullshit. Where you go there and they know you're going there, so they put on traditional village clothing, and so you'll buy their local handicrafts, which are actually imported from China. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you leave, they take off their clothes, they 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 put on you know their normal outfit, yeah. and they go back to their normal life. Here, it all it's all so much over the top. It almost seems like they're putting on the USSR like facade just for tourism. But I know that's not the case because there are no tours here. Yeah, it's true. And you saw the babushkas today. And as soon as we left Churaspol, we went to a village and, and you saw the babushka riding her bike uh, in the village. It's very common bike or either Lada, the old Soviet Lada car. You, you can see them always in the, in the villages. It's, it's so many of them. Like I honestly think there is, I mean, by far, this is the most USSR I've seen anywhere. I think the only two ways to to see more of what it was like, you know, 20, 30, you know, years ago during the USSR times mm-hmm. is maybe there's some small villages in, in Russia somewhere or get a time machine or yeah. I guess, or, or come to Transnistria. It's cheaper. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> it's actually possible. Time machine is not invaded yet. <laughs> yeah. So really interesting place. Uh, not the easiest place to do anything. Um, it's the only place in the world where, you know, like, I mean, I guess if I was here longer, I would get a SIM card and it's really cheap. But, you know, it's not part of the EU, so none of your EU SIM cards work. Uh, it's not part of you know, Moldova. Uh, um, yeah. Or, I, you know, I came from Ukraine, even though it's the border, the my SIM card doesn't work here. Mm-hmm. Just because of the sheriff has another system, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. But, yeah, we have another system. And local phones, they are not even use the SIM card. So you have the chip inside your phone, which is which is CS. CDMA, it's called in the US. Uh, we Which, if you guys system. remember, the old Nokia phones, Verizon. Yeah. The, I guess Verizon still like, like the only reason to use CDMA in 2018 is because you want to have a monopoly and, and you keep monopoly going because everybody would switch to Moldovan networking or Ukrainian, but they still want monopoly. Yeah, so the only reason why you would use CDSM or CDM is if CDMA. You, CDMA is if you want to have a force monopoly because SIM cards have been standard for the last five years and everybody, like even iPhones have unlocked nowadays. Oh yeah, like Moldova, Moldova from the beginning they, they used, to, used to have the SIM card system, but uh, we just really got used to it. We just really got used to not using any SIM cards and some people can't, well we can't call it a Moldovian uh, cell phone, but it's, it costs much more. So a lot of other things that are a little bit different here is you guys have credit cards, but it's for Transnistria only. So you guys, like none of the restaurants take Visa or MasterCard, right? Yeah, none of them. None of them do. Uh, they just they take our local uh, local cards, which is owned by guess who? <laughs> owned by the sheriff, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Is actually uh, called like a sheriff card. Oh, no, it's called Rainbow for some reason, Raduga. Uh, But uh, anyway, the system is uh, is settled up like this. So the sheriff, they uh, pay salary on this card. So they never give uh, cash to people. They just pay by this card. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. They keep people in the system 
in a sheriff system by well, putting their salary on a sheriff card. Well, you actually can withdraw money later, but then no people do it. So not not much people do it. So people just go and spend their money in sheriff because you have to spend your money in sheriff anyway. Uh, so you get this. Can you imagine you work in the sheriff shop or a supermarket? Then you get your salary and you go and spend it where? To sheriff supermarket to buy some food or pay your sheriff's cell phone bill or or yeah yeah or television which is belong to sheriff as well. That is so crazy. This is like a, a conspiracy that's right out in the open. Oh yeah, yeah. So another conspiracy that's out in the open is I don't know if you guys can notice, but we've actually moved locations and I'm quite a bit more drunk now. Um, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that, I'm feeling that. So, um, I guess, I don't know how many, like an hour ago, I guess, in this seamless transition, I think I ran out of space on my computer or something, anyway, suddenly died, the meetup that we were at suddenly ended, it was with an Austrian artist who's traveling around Europe with a red polyurethane sofa (laughs) and taking photos. Yeah, uh, this is very unique to Transnistria as well. So, so many people was in the, uh, were in the event, and uh, that was nice as well. So we gave him some of the brandy. Uh, actually, the last sip of our brandy we had, he loved it, and we said, "Oh, why don't we go grab to a restaurant and let's have another bottle?" This is exactly how you make friends in Transnistria. If you want to hang out with locals and make friends easily, just drink with them. So if you're non-drinker. Uh, you shouldn't go to Transnistria. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, you, you'd be missing out because uh, we had the five-year-old uh, Clint brandy at earlier. And it was very good. It was excellent. Here, they didn't have it, so we had to go up a level. So we ordered the eight-year-old, and it's so good. Yeah, it's. Uh, well, you read some information online about it, so that was uh, it's. It was written then. It's made by uh, by women. Or? Yeah. So this one, the the tagline is uh, made by women for women because it's a bit sweeter, <laughs> yeah. but it's so good. Like I'll be a woman. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't feel any different. I don't taste any difference because there is another one called uh, Tiros, and it's made by man. But I don't feel actually the much difference. I wonder if the the like the men for men one is just harsher, and then they're just like selling it, saying, "Yeah, yeah, this was this was the manly one." Yeah, I think it's just worse and cheaper. <laughs> yeah, so exactly excellent, and we are at a really nice restaurant. This one's called what, Seven Weekends, uh, Seven Fridays. It, seven it means Fridays. like you have Seven Fridays a week. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay, so Seven Fridays, really beautiful inside. Also, is this one owned by Sheriff? No, it's actually not owned by Sheriff, but the situation is more complicated because the owner, he owns uh, a two Seven Fridays in the city in Tiraspol. So it's a chain, you can call it a chain. Then he owns uh, two small uh, restaurants, kind of buffet for students called Dolce Vita. And then uh, uh, the owner himself, he's in the politics, so he's a deputy here. Uh, so and make uh, by the fact that he's in politics, gives him protection. So he he's not paying much tax here or, or not not paying it at all for uh, I think so uh, supposedly uh, because I remember working here and I, I've been working here for uh, two years and they never bother me to make uh, legal documents here I was just working here legally and no I can't now prove that I was working here and the only reason you can get, get away with this is just being a part of the the political system here so I actually asked you about that earlier saying is it just like um you know, one of those things where people do favors for people in politics, or does the normal guy that doesn't have connections with an oligarch have the chance to survive? And 
you know, my kind of theory was there's only five restaurants and they're all owned by basically people with political connections. They're all basically these massive kind of, you know, multiple chain, uh, expensive restaurants. Like these take a lot of money to build. My question was if some random person, so let's say some like, you know, normal, normal person with a little bit of savings, could they open a restaurant and be competitive? And do you remember what your answer was? Oh, yeah, so I, I remember, but the bureaucratic system is so strong here, so you have to go through. Uh, if you want to make everything legal and not paying any bribes, it's almost impossible because the, the, the bureaucratic system is so strong, it's so hard to, uh, to pass, to, to get through it. Uh, so you can't, you can't actually do it. You have to either have some connection and avoiding paying, uh, paying bribes or just pay and spend a lot on the bribes. You know what? I believe that because there's, literally like five restaurants here i think if there was a lot more i would think like ah, oh, you know there's there's um bureaucracy everywhere people can get through it it's not like a big deal for example in like odessa i'm sure there's a little bit of the bureaucracy a little bit of bribery a little bit of you know people making things easier to oh, get yeah, through yeah, like sure. building and stuff like that actually you know what not maybe a little bit there's probably quite a bit well, yeah, yeah but it's still possible. I really think that in like places like Odessa, even in Ukraine, even if you had no connections at all, you didn't want to pay bribes at all, it's still possible to start a profitable restaurant. But here's you face you face another thing that uh, there is not much people to spend money in restaurants. So you just you just not you 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 think before you open a restaurant, you you think is it worth it to open another one because we already have five and it's not much people here in Tiraspol who are willing to spend their money. Uh, so yeah, you just uh, it stops you to make something because you first of all is bureaucra- bureaucratic system. Another one is uh, uh, is a nepotism that we have in here, and then uh, it's not much demand, so people not really willing to go somewhere out. Yeah, I mean, for example, we're the only ones in this whole restaurant right now. And that's right why now, we're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're hanging out talking on this podcast. Yeah, uh, you know, well, it's uh, well, it's Tuesday night, but anyway, it's just uh, it's we the only one. Yeah, so it's really interesting, you know. Then the other problems with you know not being able to take bank payments. Um, I I had read that there was only one ATM in Tiraspol, but which, which uh, give you it gives you Russian rubles. It's connected to Russian banks and gives you Russian rubles, and you still have to go and exchange this Russian ruble to uh, to Transnistria, which is very bad currency now. Uh, Russian rubles fault so felt, and it's not a it's not a good thing to do. That's actually hilarious because yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, you know what? Maybe instead of changing money, I should just go and take some money out of this ATM, get some rubles. But it would have been the wrong rubles. Well, there is another way to do it. You go to Sheriff Bank, of course. Of course. And then uh, you give you give your card, you give your passport uh, to your lady, which is uh, on the other side of the win- window, small window. And you wait 10 minutes while she uh, she's registering you, you at the bank as a customer, as the first customer. customer. She registers you at the bank and then she fill, fills up the everything, like where the place where you're living, the place where you're staying, the reason where you're staying. And then she can give you the amount of money you're asking for. And do you have to redo this every time or once you register, can you just go back and do that again? Oh, once you register, she has your name in the base. Uh-huh. Okay, so yeah. well, you know it's fair trade for the convenience, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you still like nobody. Nobody actually returned to withdraw money because you you do it just only once because people staying here just one night, overnight or two oh. nights. Yeah, I guess for a local it's fine, but for 
a tourist, it's, that's impossible. Uh, local, local, don't, they don't do it. They, uh, they better go just ten. They spend another ten minutes or fifteen minutes, and they go to Moldovan a village where they have international bank system. Uh, they have uh, access to the world. So, well, actually, what I thought that was interesting is when we sat down to have dinner, it was you and I think it was, it, it was the other uh, Transnistrian guy. Both said, "Oh, we'll be back. We need to go exchange money." And this was at like 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Yeah, we have 24 hours exchange offices because uh, many people uh, they have their um, what's it called like in, in additional additional okay. kind of income because they have relatives outside of the country uh, in Moscow, so they they just send them money and it's usually Russian rubles or either euros if if they work somewhere in Europe. Uh, so uh, so many, so we have 24 hours exchange office here working. And besides that, we have every every corner has their own exchange office, their small exchange office, but they just not work in 24 hours. So if I don't spend all my rubles today, all my Transnistrian rubles, and I go tomorrow to Italy, it, it, I'm assuming this money is useless. Oh yeah, if not not even you shouldn't even mention Italy. You, you, if you go to Moldova, you can't you can't change them. If you just cross the border, which is uh, what like uh, 20 minutes from here, you can't spend. Rush, uh, Transnistrian rubles, anyhow. Wow. Okay. So I got to make sure I either spend it or give it to the taxi driver tomorrow morning. Yeah. It's like, is there is only one way? You just go go to Kishinev. If you if you really have Russian, uh, sorry, Transnistrian rubles. If you if you have them, so you just have to go to some uh, driver who goes to all the way to Tiraspol, so Kishinev Tiraspol Marshrutka, and the only way you just you can exchange him some money if he's uh, agreeing to do it. That's a good hack. Uh, yeah. If I ever get stuck, it's, it's, actually, it's actually a hack. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know, life hack. So I feel like there's so much more to talk about, but I think we need to wrap this up because we have a half a bottle of Clint to finish uh, and a yeah. bit of a dinner. But it's been a really interesting 36 hours in Transnistria. I'm really happy that I stayed an extra day. I was originally honestly going to just come for a day, look around. I think a lot of people do that. Uh, but by me staying a whole full day, you know, open-ended, hanging out with you after after the tour is done, meeting some locals, going to an event, you know, going here, I, I feel like I, I know Transnistria, or at least Tiraspol, a lot better than I would have if I just came for a day trip, which most people do. Yeah, would you, would you say it's worth the visit, right? You know, honestly, if you asked me 24 hours ago, I would say no. I would yeah. have said... People only come to say they've come. They only come because this is like hyped up, um, you know. Like Soviet, last of USSR kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. then when you get here, you realize, you know, people are just living a normal life. You know, people have cell phones. People have cars. People are just living a normal life. It almost kind of seems like strangely normal that people walking around the street, going to jobs. Like it's to them – you know, especially them growing up here, this is just like a life. It's almost like they look at you like, why did you come here and what is so interesting? That's the, that's the number one frequently asked questions that people ask me as a tour guide here because they, they always ask me what, like, why, why people, uh, why people, why foreigner people come over here to Transnistria because it's not nice. They better go to somewhere, some nice places in Europe. But uh, because, yeah, we, we have many people, as we mentioned before, uh, they don't travel at all. And they don't understand the reason traveling to some, uh, let's say, shit whole country, right? Like third world country. Because many people are skeptical. Even here, living here, they're skeptical of the, their own country. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is in every country, 
there is beauty to be found. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, like here, like like seeing the old, you know, cathedral and the, the little village that you took me to is so beautiful. I, I actually, that, that's probably the nicest cathedral I've seen anywhere in the world, and there's no one there. Yeah, it's uh, and uh, the the thing that we kept this old old street names and we have these Latin statues here. Uh, this these things I never. I, I grew up here. I grew up my my entire life. I I was here. I never noticed it before I started working with tourists. So you just you just see another Lenin statue. You just ignore it. You you just never pay attention to that. And today we saw the uh, what what was fast uh, van or what it was. Um, remember we in the market we used we saw the oh like the, so we saw Kavas. Uh, like a like a so Kavas is a drink. Like it's a fermented drink, almost kind of like a, a Europe. Eastern European root beer. Yeah, it's made of uh, dark bread. Uh... And it was in this, like, old, old, like, kind of truck thing. Like, I can't even explain it. It's, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it'd be like this vintage Well, you connect thing. with the truck, yeah. But, but the... Yeah, like this weird trailer, like, device yeah. where if you saw this in the U.S., you would think... This some hipster found this, restored it, <laughs> and they're, they're like not even really putting any kvass in there. They're just using it as decoration. Here, it's just what they use to, to transport this drink. Yeah, and you asked me like, is it is it seem to be normal for you? And and for me, it's really normal. It's like, it's just I don't see any difference between this one and the plastic bottle bar barrel. Yeah, yeah. There's all these little tiny things like that that you're just like, wow, this is so different. And what's so nice is it's kind of like a nice mix of seeing how similar people around the world are, even in the most out of the way country. You know, I would, I would beg, like, I would argue that Transnistria is one of the most unique countries in the world, yet people are people everywhere in the world. People eat, people sleep, people get married, people have kids, you know, like, it, and especially with nowadays the technology and the internet, people are listening to the same music here as they are somewhere, you know, maybe in a lot of places in the world. And there are so, there's definitely more similarities than there are differences, but it's those little differences that you stumble upon that blow your mind. And those things can only be found if you spend a little bit more time here or if you have someone like Roman take you, like a local will take you. And really show you the nooks and crannies, the villages, the places kind of out of town. And I, w- I would suggest if you guys come here, don't come here on a day trip from Chinasu on some package tour. Don't don't drop in just on your own and walk around. Because if you did, if I did, I would have reported this very differently. I would have said this place sucks. Don't don't come. And, and now I'm very happy to report this place is very interesting and it has its charms. So for the right reasons. I would say, yeah, do it. Why not? Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. I can't, I can't even argue with that. Yeah. So, if people wanted to take one of your tours or get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach out? Uh, just, there is a there is a few ways. There's a, a Facebook page. It's called. It's actually my my coworker. So it's called Team Tiraspol. You can find him in the in the Facebook page. And another way, it's um, uh, MarsHostel.com. MarsHostel.com. This we have a web page. And the internet. Okay, very cool. So uh, make sure you check out my video on YouTube about Tiranasu. I'll probably write a blog post about it too. You know, I might as well. I'll, I'll write a blog post. Check out johnnyfd.com to search Transnistia or... I can't even say it anymore. I'm so drunk. 
Terrace Pole. It's Rust Pole, yeah. Terrace Pole. And um, I guarantee it, if you co- if you love Brandy and you come for just that, oh, yeah. you'll probably enjoy it. And uh, Besi- Besides all of this, Lightning Statue and all stuff, you, you will just enjoy drinking. Yeah. And that's really it. It's been a great episode. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Spasiba. Yeah, thank Luke. you. This, this is my first podcast ever. So <laughs> I'm, I'm the first time on a podcast. So <laughs> Okay. Well, really cool. So bring podcasts all around the world. Oh, yeah. we can add this as a country that we've done a podcast in. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, thanks again, guys. See you later. And keep traveling like a boss. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.